1: How you doing tonight? Ivy Nation Sports Talk is up and running once again. I'm Sean Styers. He's Jesse Styers. <clears throat> he should be feeling better today after last night, but uh, a little bit under the weather this evening. Hopefully, you're doing somewhat well after yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I was six and zero on the weekend and one and zero in the game that
2: mattered the most. So, I, I would say that I had a pretty, you know. Fired up weekend. I was on fire all weekend, and then I've been running around all of Ohio the last couple days, doing very visiting various projects of mine, and starting to feel sick again. And it's it's literally the same symptoms that I had two weeks ago. So if I recatch what I had two weeks ago, I'm going to be very upset.
1: I would be upset as well. Well, hopefully you get over that very soon, and and don't spread whatever it is halfway across Ohio. But uh, you know, salty was. I, I just saw. Where was it? Salty was apparently expecting us. There it is. To uh, to be decked out in uh, in Cowboys gear today. We did not. We did not pack it on. We're not going to totally gloat. But I mean, come on. They won last night. I still don't know how much to put. You know how much stock to put in it. I was, of course, midway through the third quarter when the Cowboys are are winning pretty good. I get a a text from my old buddy Doug who you know Jesse who is a 49 <laughs> ers
2: well caveat he's a 49ers and a Chief and fan. Chiefs the, fan yeah. he's the worst okay. kind of uh sporting fan there is because i don't believe multiple in having teams. more than one you know favorite team or team that yeah. you root for
1: i think it's i think it's harder in football as well to have multiple teams you know there's 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 a lot more energy expended cheering for your football team and and to to be cheering for two, I don't know, but of course he got the you know the Chiefs Niners Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but uh, you know he starts texting me. So you ready for the rematch? And then it's like boom, boom, boom. I start getting this barrage of texts from him, <laughs> and it's like, look, dude, this game ain't over yet. I- I'm not talking about next week, and I'm not going to answer a million random questions that you have. It's like it's like he knows I'm a captive audience because he knows I'm going to be sitting in front of the TV, but that is not the time to start pounding me with texts that have nothing to do with the game. So, uh, you know, what did have anything to do with the game? How about four missed extra points? And I saw this morning, you know, the, the score was 31 to 14, 44 total points, the over under going into the game, 45 and a half. And, uh, Brett Maher, of course, missed four extra points in that game. And I saw that, uh, like Fred Taylor and Derek Mason, a couple former NFL guys were tweeting, you know, asking if Ma- if uh, Maher was point shaving. And there were other people who were literally ticked off, like the actual gamblers, accusing him of point shaving. As if he knows in the first quarter how many points the Cowboys are going to end up scoring and how close to 45 and a half they're going to end up being. It was frustrating, though, because I'll tell you what. When he missed that second one, I'm sitting there going, "They're going to lose by two points, or they're going to lose by a f- you know some something stupid is going to happen." Fortunately, that didn't happen. But four missed extra points in one game—you could literally go find a high school kid who could go bang home four extra points for you.
2: Well, being the the math kind of nerd that I am, I I saw a stat that kicking kick kickers are making ninety two point five percent of the extra points, and to miss. Four straight consecutive independent events at that rate would be one and thirty-one thousand six hundred. So, what he did last night was essentially one and thirty-one thousand and six hundred. I'm on the the team of I think something something fishy was going on. I, I understand, <laughs> I understand missing maybe one or, or two, but when we got into the stage three and stage four. So I think Vegas phoned phoned him in during the game and said, Hey, you need to do a little point shaving here because there's a lot of uh, bets on the over tonight.
1: I mean, I loved it on fourth down when, you know, it's fourth and goal and, you know, Maher starts trotting his little butt out on the field. Like I'm going to go kick this field goal here. And they're like, "No, nah, we're going for it. Sorry. Just <laughs> stay on the sideline. And in, in his defense, he's been a great kicker. I mean, he's, he's, been a very accurate field goal kicker all season long. So, like, to go to your conspiracy theory point, you know, as good as he has been, you you know, you there is some suspicion when you're missing four chip shots. What I want to know is why he's kicking from the hashes. Because don't, you do have the option to kick, you know, straight up the middle, right? Like, you don't have to kick from a hash, I don't think, if you don't want to.
2: That is also correct. You do not have to kick from a hash. So. Yeah. You know, it's like, sorry, I'm, I'm looking up, looking it up right now. His like extra points made this season, it's like, I'm pretty sure that's his only, he, he only missed like one or two other times, and the other one uh, was to end the game against Washington. So technically, he yeah. missed five consecutive extra points. Five in points.
0: a row. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: I was uh, re-watching some of it today on NFL Network. They always replay whatever the primetime game is the next day. So they were reshowing it. And I heard uh I heard old Joe Buck say that. But uh, hey, they beat they beat Tampa Bay. And you can say what you want about Tampa Bay, but San Francisco, Cincinnati, Kansas City were the only three teams to score more points against Tampa Bay this season. So I mean good. they completely good.
2: dominated that game last night, but you know, yep. going forward it is a concern with Maher because you know, the a game like San Francisco and potentially NFC Championship, you're, those games are going to come down to slim margins and you're going to need your field goal kicker uh, to hit some crucial ones.
1: Yeah. And Maher, as Larry said, set a Cowboy record for points scored by a kicker, which is, it is crazy to think that he did that. You know, it's like he did that. He's just got, he got the yips, Netflix
2: I think. Head. He's all in his head right now. And that's better the worst get it thing figured out.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, there was a report today where, you know, they're going to keep him. They're not going to. Try to move on. I don't know who you're going to find at this point in the season. You know, you're you're in you're moving into the divisional rounds of the playoffs. It's not like there's, a, you know, a surplus of kickers who can kick 55 yard field goals who are just hanging around out there. And that's that's you know pretty important. I think. I don't know. Hey, well, we'll have, we'll have more in rapid fire. We've got plenty in rapid fire later. Let's talk about the more pressing issue of the day, though. Notre Dame and the offense. Before we do that, please hit the like button if you would. You help us out. You help out Irish Breakdown, the IB channel, the YouTube channel, all of our podcasts as well. Hit the like button on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. Rate, review, give us a five-star rating on uh, your, your uh, podcast platform of choice as well if you would. Notre Dame's top offensive questions as of right now, midway through January, the uh, the guys are getting back on campus, getting into class for the spring semester. That means spring practice is uh, you know month, month and a half, something like that away. At this point, what is the biggest offensive question you have right now, Jesse?
2: Um, I think the biggest offensive question I have for Tommy Reese going forward is. What is his mark of consistency or what is his measure of consistency? Because sometimes we see some brilliant game plans and it seems like we see, you know, offensive play sets that are really centered around, you know, utilizing Notre Dame's talents and best players. Um, And then other games, it doesn't seem quite so. And rather than kind of maybe making some adjustments, uh, there's kind of like this mentality of just kind of continuing to plow forward. Uh, with the with the same plan, essentially. So one off is how can you be consistent every game? And obviously failures are going to happen, but what kind of adjustments are you going to make uh, when, you know, when, when adversity kind of starts to hit a la Marshall, Stanford, games like that, when, you know, you're kind of stinking the place up a little bit, what can you do to get out of your funk?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we've talked about in-game adjustments and we were, I think we were just talking about them last week, as a matter of fact, like the ability or inability to make in-game adjustments by different coaches, whether it was Marcus Freeman, Tommy Reese, Al Golden. And you were telling me about something that Peyton Manning said during the Manning cast of the yeah. Monday night game last night.
2: Yeah. So uh last night on the Manning cast, and again, I don't know how much this translates into the college game. But Peyton literally said in his 18 career, 18 year career in the NFL, uh, that halftime adjustments are a myth, or going into the locker room for adjustments are a myth. In his 18 year career, his routine every time was the same at halftime. He'd go in, take a piss, uh, eat some oranges, and two minutes later, the coach would say it's time to go, and he'd go running back out onto the field. So again, I don't know if that's you know, NFL, if that's Peyton Manning, but we were also talking about it like in the NFL, you have like two seconds in the locker room before you have to come back out. And Of course, in college, there's band performances, there's TV, you know, a halftime report, all that stuff. So it's the, the, the college halftime is double, if not even two and a half times longer than what the NFL was.
1: Yeah. And, and that's exactly right. Because like Jason is saying, Eli chimed in saying not enough time for anything. And that's that's exactly right. There's there's like what is it like 11 or 12 minutes or something like that in the NFL that you get for halftime, it's like twice as long, almost 30 minutes. And it seems longer than 30 minutes sometimes for a college game. So there's obviously a lot more time in a college game to, uh, to work on that kind of stuff. But I mean, and you shouldn't even need to go to the locker room to make adjustments though. Should you like, I mean, you're over the, you got guys
2: in the box that are, that are, you know, watching everything.
1: Right, and I'm um, I mean, even have, have videos on the sideline. Instant, yeah, you've got instant photos and all that kind of stuff, and everyone's got all their digital technology. Like, if you're a coordinator, especially one who's sitting up in the booth, and you see, okay, these guys are, are doing this, well, we need to adapt. You know, it shouldn't take going to the locker room to make those kind of changes. And, and, in fact, I think Al Golden said about a year ago, well, not quite a year ago at this time, because he got hired right after the Super Bowl, but he talked about, In the NFL, you're constantly, uh, you know, making adjustments on the sideline based on things that are going on in the course of the game, which is kind of amazing to hear him, you know, to think about him saying that now, considering the lack of adjustments that we saw sometimes from his defense this season, especially earlier in the season.
2: Yeah, and my limited amount of, you know, experience, there were times um, on the sideline where our defensive coordinator slash linebacker coach in college, we'd come off the field or the, the starting defense would come off the field after a specific series. And then if a play gashed us, or if it's a play that we hadn't seen all week or practiced for all week, we had a whiteboard and we immediately would sit down and kind of go over what our fix would be. So I would consider that, you know, an in-game adjustment. And I'd have to imagine that with today, with having, you know, the, 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 the pads and, you know, much more people up in the box and that kind of stuff, you can get it done relatively even quicker.
1: So I think the biggest question I have for this offense right now, and we've got kind of a list of some different questions. And obviously for the people in the chat, if you have questions, comments, concerns, whatever, you can throw them up there as well. But my biggest question is what's the predominant personnel package going to be? Because it has been 12 personnel heavy in recent years, as in two tight ends, one running back and, and obviously sometimes even 13, but you know, that's because that position group, the tight end group was the strength of the offensive skill groups, but that has shifted to running back now. And we've, we've talked about this a little bit. So here's, here's my question to you. How would you split these personnel packages in terms of the percentage of time that you think that they will use, these like multiple running backs whether it's 21 20 30 whatever so like multiple running back sets versus 11 personnel what one tight end one running back three wide receivers or 12 personnel one running back two tight ends two wide receivers what like if you're going to slide those you've got what 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 percentages would you apply to those based on
2: yeah, so the way I look at it is, or the way I'll break it down is two running back sets, two tight end sets, and then kind of the field.
1: So back to what I was saying, I'd go so, 30. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Rewind, rewind. Because I was calling you out on your on your math for, for a math major. You were saying, you said 30%, 30%, and then 45%. 40%. I believe. Okay, so 40%. Okay, so <clears throat> go back. 30% on two tight end Give me sets. your percentages again.
2: 30% on two tight end sets, 30% on two running back sets, uh, and then the field, everything else, you know, whatever pairings you want to come up with outside of that, I think would fall under the the 40% um, umbrella. But really what I'm trying to get at is I think that the two tight end and two back sets need to equal each other. If that's 15 and 15, and then the rest gets the remainder, if that's 20 and 20 and the rest gets the remainder, I would just like to see equal distribution of two tight end sets with two running back sets next year and I think that's very feasible considering the running back room and the you know potential I won't even say potential the, the drop off in the tight end room with Mayer leaving
1: and I get <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> I guess the biggest question is just to what extent Sam Hartman you know changes the offense having a, a quarterback with so much more experience and knowing how to get the ball to receivers like Will the receivers, especially a young group of receivers, because even the veterans aren't, you know, really experienced, are they capable of carrying the load? I guess. You know, that's a big question to me. And you're not going to have Michael Mayer. So you don't necessarily, you know, have to like start with Michael Mayer and everyone else sort of builds around him where you're always going to have that tight end on the field. I think that there are going to be a lot of times where you don't even have to have a tight end. On the field depending on what you're doing and we're going to talk about the running backs specifically here in a minute but again it's like you've got Audric Estime, you've got Logan Diggs you've got Chris Tyree you're going to throw Jadarian Price into the mix you've got Jeremiah Love coming in and you also have Jabron Payne so like you've got a surplus of running backs assuming everyone stays healthy to me it to me it's like the multiple running back, because of the fact that they can all catch passes, there's so much speed and so much skill there. Like, I start with them around the 40% range. And then, you know, like, if you've got the personnel where you can have three wide, receiver, wide receivers on the field that often, then go for it. Like, if the wide receivers can carry the load, and and, you know, again, Hartman – like their development grows so much because of the fact that they have a veteran quarterback working with them. That's fine. But it, it just, to me, it still feels like heavier doses of multiple running backs make more sense than, than multiple tight ends, because you've still got good tight ends in the room. You, you just don't have anywhere near the caliber of what you've got walking out the door right now.
2: Yeah. And a lot of it is kind of matchup wise because you could technically get into two tight end sets Uh, where one of them is kind of split out as a wide receiver, right? Like you use one guy uh, as your kind of end guy on the line of scrimmage, and then you have another guy who could potentially, you know, split out and and play, you know, line up as technically what you would consider a wide receiver, but he's just a tight end split out. And I think that's what they're going to have to do with Hartman is really disguise kind of those two tight end sets essentially, and kind of get those mismatches that they want with a tight end on a safety up a seam or, you know, et
1: cetera, stuff like that. Right. And, and look, I'm not talking about, like when I'm talking about multiple running backs, kind of like Zach is saying, you know, theoretic type plays, you know, for the and then, you know, motion them outside. Yes. I'm not talking about lining two running backs up in the backfield, you know, like those old school pro sets. You know, I'm talking about, you know, again, like we were talking last Friday about San Francisco and their use of 21 personnel. I'm talking about, okay, yeah, sometimes you can have, an extra back in the backfield but most of the time because of of the fact that again these guys so many of the they're all pass catchers basically you can you can put them all over the place you can do so many different things with those guys they're going to be very versatile so even though you know it says running back, on the roster they can do a lot of other things that'll function like wide receivers
2: in recruiting terms those are just what we call athletes right like those are guys that you can just stick wherever they can catch the ball they can run the ball they're just good with the ball in open space and i think that's what you're going to see a lot from from the Notre Dame running backs and you know not not to bring this back to the Cowboys but i loved this play that they ran last night um i don't i was behind and so i didn't get to text you text you about it in live time but they put Pollard and Zeke um, in the backfield and i'm pretty sure they were in 21 personnel and they motioned zeke out to basically the slot um and just had him crack down on the end guy in the line of scrimmage and they did a pitch outside with pollard so you know zeke's right. coming down and then pollard's going to the edge i mean that's an easy play for someone like estimate being big and strong you motion him out to the slot you use him as a crackback blocker and then you get someone like Diggs or maybe you know prince on the edge with their
1: speed trying to get around the corner yep that, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. And and Dallas did more 21 stuff last night as well, just like what you're talking about right there. And when you've got, you know, a little bit, just enough different skill sets, when you've got a thumper like Estime, and then you've got guys like Price and Tyree with the kind of quickness that they have. And then, you know, kind of like these combo guys as well. There's, I just think that there's so much that they can do with them. And, you know, they can, they can cause so much havoc because the, of the misdirection and where they can line these guys up. They can basically line any of them up at any spot on the field they want to.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, and we'll get into this probably in a little bit too, but I just want to put this caveat in there right now is, you know, if, if they, I think the more that they run two back and potentially even three back sets that should drive up the need for a Buckner type package and being on the field, because if you can put two running backs and three running backs on the field, and you add someone like Buckner. That's technically two or three, four guys that you need to be accountable for um, in the run game, and, and you know, getting Buckner off of you know two, two, two reads, and then maybe hitting the edge. That's salty. If I wouldn't known that this is uh, where this conversation was going to go today, i I, I would have had I would have had the whiteboard ready. Uh, but unfortunately, I wasn't expecting to go there quite today. Um, my apologies.
1: I think we're in agreement that if if Hartman is the starter it makes sense for Tyler Buckner to have you know like a a red zone type package that would seem like like the inside the 20 personnel yeah. inside the 20 or inside the 15 wherever they decide it's going to be like because of his mobility it makes sense to be able to use him so you know we were talking about the running backs and the receivers and these different personnel packages what about Chris Tyree? This is this is a big question for me. Is he a running back? Does he become a slot receiver? And again, you've got a very crowded backfield right now. And of the three running backs who are used this season, he had the fewest yards from scrimmage, but he also was used as a wide receiver. So, like what and you're lacking at the wide receiver position. So what do you think, what would you do with Chris Tyree? Does it make him, you know, does it make sense to make him a slot receiver or do you just find a a different kind of souped up hybrid role that you can use him in?
2: Yeah, I was just getting ready to say, I think the best way to describe what Tyree could be used as is kind of like a jackknife, right? Like he can do all sorts of different things, but I think his primary, um, his primary, I guess, skill set should be revolved around you know, catching the ball out of the backfield, now, whether that's two back sets and he's, yes, he's lining up as a running back, but in, instead of, you know, he takes a play action and maybe flares out into the flat or, you know, maybe runs a wheel up the sideline or other times he motions out of the backfield and then lines up in the slot and runs a route. I just think that his primary type of position needs to be centered around catching the ball, because I think that's his best output. And I think it, it will benefit digs and estimate And I'm not saying that he's taking touches away from them. I'm just saying that those guys are better at running, just being straight runners. And Tyree is better at being a guy who can, again, line up in the backfield, maybe catch some passes out of the backfield. Maybe he lines up the backfield and motions out to the slot and they can get a coverage read. And then, you know, if you see a good man-on-man matchup on third and short, you just flick it out to Tyree real quick. Just stuff like that, I think would be his best option.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, he's not, he's not quite as thick as Debo Samuel, but at the same time, he is a running back. And, like, it's kind of the inverse of Debo Samuel, where, whereas Samuel is a wide receiver who they hand the ball to quite a bit. They didn't do it quite as much this year, but they still will do it. It's basically the other way around for Tyree. You can start him off, you know, as a flanker, the slot, or whatever, and still find ways to get him the ball. And they don't all have to be jet sweep type things. Or, you know, you can do things like you were just talking about with that Pollard-Zeke Elliott play last night. There's just I, I think it really just depends on the imagination that uh that that Tommy Reese is going to have because like if you're talking about him as a pure slot receiver, well that's where Jaden Thomas is right now. And that's where Jaden Thomas has has functioned from the best is as a slot. And you know he was you know one of the one of the biggest risers in terms of the receivers this year. So I, I don't know that you necessarily want to make Tyree exclusively that. I just think I just think the bottom line is this is a guy with breakaway speed and you know and who has quickness and can who he has a skill set unlike really anybody else on the roster and you've just got to be creative enough, imaginative enough, imaginative enough to find ways to get the ball in his hands like at least 5 6 times per game to allow him to make explosive plays.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, you know, a lot of maybe like tunnel screens, quick, you know, quick screens, you know, out to the edge. That those are just extensions of the running game, as of what you know you hear. You hear Kirk Herbstreet kind of beat that into the ground a lot, is saying that these plays are kind of extensions um, of the run game. And I, another big area that I like Tyree again is like when you when you're second and short, third and short, you know, like it's three, second and three, third and three. And you know that you need to, you know, you got man coverage. Why not just throw it to him on a quick slant or a quick hitch or, you know, just something like that where he's just working in space. Because I think more often than not, especially when he's in the slot, he's going to beat a linebacker, you know, especially if guys are dropping off into coverage, he's right. going to beat a linebacker one-on-one. It's not going to be hard for him to break him off.
1: Right. Right. And again, it's, it's, you know, just another benefit of using the multiple running back groupings, whatever grouping, it happens to be David kind of going back to the quarterback conversation. He says, so we're asking Butner to go back to freshman year. What happened to the quarterback battle? Everyone was talking about when Hartman first committed. Well, I mean, we're obviously assuming Hartman is going to be the quarterback. I, I think, again, this is something that we talked about last week. Like if these two, the, there will be a battle to whatever extent for the number one job, but I think it was Vince and I talking about it. If they're neck and neck, don't you think that 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 the job has to go to Hartman in that case, Jesse? Like, doesn't Buckner have to look and be head and shoulders better yeah. than a guy with five years of experience just that you're bringing in transferring here?
2: Yeah, the fact of the experience and it's a transfer for one, you know, one last season. I again, I just don't really bring in a transfer that has one year left with all that experience and all those passing accolades just to kind of ride the bench and to go back to the original question you know this doesn't mean that Buckner is a run only type of package but he introduces a new element of the game and so when you start running kind of these design run plays and then you see him you know pull it and then drop a you know a dart on someone that's going to be very beneficial because teams are going to be you know, loading up for what would seem like run plays, maybe loading up the boxes and you're going to get, you know, an extra hat on someone like Buckner. Well, that frees up someone else in coverage. And so after a few times of, you know, showing these design run plays with your quarterback, he's proven that he can throw the ball at a high level too. So it's not, it's not all just run packages. I think it's, he can, knowing what his legs can do and being in the red zone, I think you could trick a lot of teams of, okay, well, you think, you know, you're loading up on run. He could still drop a dime on someone if they want to play more in coverage he's going to be able to get a one-on-one matchup uh, and beat him with his legs. So I don't think it turns into freshman Buckner. I just think that inside the red zone, when you can add another threat of potentially getting in the end zone, it makes sense to have a personnel package designed around him.
1: Yeah, and again, if you've got Buckner on the field and two running backs <laughs> and a couple wide receivers, then it's a lot know, of hats
2: to be accounted yes,
1: for. Yes, that's yes, it is. It's it's a lot of guys who have to be accounted for, especially if if you're talking about man coverage. So it's 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 gonna be pretty tough. And, you know, Jason says, I definitely want to hear, by the way, have you noticed the, 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 the new display? I was going to
2: say, it. I like it. I like that. I could see the pictures a little enlarged. Yeah. I know who's talking to me now.
1: Yeah. So Jason says he definitely wants to hear Hartman is the undeniable better quarterback, or I think it could be an issue. And see, I think it's the other way around. I don't think that he has to be the undeniable better quarterback I just think that he has to be the better quarterback because again you brought him in as a transfer you know I don't know maybe it's what do you think about that Jesse
2: again I I think that that's that's definitely what I would want to seize I want I I don't want it to be like a, a 51 49 percent I want you know I want Hartman to be like a 60 40 percent better than someone like Buckner I, I I kind of agree on that statement that And that doesn't take anything away from Buckner because you're still developing him at the same time. And I, I, again, I, I don't, he's going to get personnel packages. He's going to see playing time, but I I do agree that I think that you want to see Hartman kind of be a level above, you know, someone like Buckner, considering all of his experience, considering Buckner's experience, considering what Hartman can do in the past game um, and you know, what kind of Buckner's deficiencies are in the past game right now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as Zach said, Hartman is undeniably <laughs> more experienced than, as Salty was saying uh, just a second ago, you know, if you're at, counting actual playing time, isn't Buckner about a third of the way through his senior year of high school football? And yeah, that's that's about where he is. When you, when you count the playing time that he didn't get in a high school and what he's had so far in college, that's probably about where he is in terms of actual playing experience. So... I mean, you want them to compete for the job, but at the same time, I I think it's pretty much expected that the guy with as much experience as Hartman has and the guy who, you know, Hartman is a guy who people around the country are talking about. This, you know, this is arguably the biggest prize in terms of the transfer portal this offseason that Notre Dame got, you know, and there's a reason they went out to get him because they had zero experience Zero real experience, zero starting experience coming into this season. You know, when people are talking about, oh, why didn't we, you know, go out to the transfer portal and and all this different stuff. And I still, you know, can can understand the way they went about things. They thought that, that Tyler Buckner, there's going to be a competition for the job. And I, I think the better man will win. And most likely it is going to be Sam Hartman. And so that's why you talk about developmentally, for Tyler Buckner, it is better for Tyler Buckner if Hartman is the starter to at least be in there in some kind of package form. And again, it's not like you're just telling him to go out there and run the football. It's not that kind of package. It's just it's it's a more wide open package potentially. Like if you're using him in the red zone, he's got a different skill set that Hartman doesn't have. Even if Hartman's the starter. All right, the offensive line is one of the other key questions. And, you know, really, you know, so they're going to lose Jarrett Patterson. They're going to lose Josh Lugg, the two guards. Really, it looks like Andrew Christofik will probably be the starter at one of those positions. Billy Shrouth is kind of an up-and-comer, you know, the freshman this year. And then Rocco Spindler is, is another guy. So I would expect those three guys to be, the, you know, the key three fighting you know, for, for those two spots, I, you know, again, I would give Christophic a leg up because he was kind of a, you know, a little bit of a swing man when, when, when Patterson came out, he was playing in that kind of thing. Rocco Spindler is just like, you know, came in here, heralded two Springs ago as a freshman, you know, there was almost a, you know, looking like a chance that maybe he was going to be the guy starting as a freshman. It ended up being Fisher instead. And really we haven't heard from, from Spindler the last, you know, a couple, well, I, yeah, a couple seasons basically since the season started last year. So now he's going into his junior season and this is going to be a big spring for Rocco Spindler. I mean, it's going to be a big spring for all these guys, but you know, really Spindler, I think as well, because again, there's, there's only two spots and you've got three guys who are going to be fighting for these jobs.
2: Yeah. I mean, you kind of uh, took my thunder away there. So I, I was, Rocco Spindler was going to be my kind of spotlight because I think that Christophic, like you said, he's got the most experience. He's kind of that utility guy that kind of bounces around where needed. He, can, he knows all the positions, right? But Rocco Spindler, like you were talking, he was a highly kind of coveted recruit coming out of Michigan. He was a four-star with like a .97 composite. That's the type of guy that you want to see in year three step up, right? Like he should now have enough knowledge <clears throat> and experiment, experience and development learning under guys like Jarrett Patterson, you know, guys like Lug, um, Joe Alt, Blake Fisher. I just think it's time that Rocco Spindler needs to step up, and I'll actually be kind of highly disappointed if he doesn't because of, you know, the talent that he had coming out of high school and kind of the expectations that, you know, a lot of people had for him on the offensive line. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's got to be, to me, the, the main answer, and I think that it'll – kind of show what kind of overall offensive line unit that Notre Dame has is if someone like Rocco Spindler can step up and really, you know, fill in some big shoes next season.
1: Yeah. Tommy said he hopes Kristoffic earns the job. Otherwise John will be in here telling us that Harry doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) So we shall see. We shall see. I haven't seen John yet. This is usually around the time that he pops in, I think that's true. Lately. So we'll see. All right. Do you have any other key offensive questions that we haven't addressed tonight?
2: Yeah, I, I want to know who you think is going to step up and be that dude at the wide re- wide receiver position next year, like Hartman's number one. Like he's like like the 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 Michael Mayer to Drew Pine. Like who's that security blanket? Who's that guy? The old reliable that he knows he can throw it to? You know, when 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 he's getting a little pressure on him.
1: It's going to be a good question because he's, he's basically coming in here and he's got no experience with any of these receivers. Smith, the, the incoming guy from Virginia Tech, could potentially be a security blanket type guy because, again, he's the guy with the most experience and in terms of career production has more than anybody else. But like Vince and I last night were predicting who we thought were going to be the receiving leaders – you know, Sean Hartman says Meriwether, and I don't think Meriwether is a bad choice because, you know, again, there's there's so much talent there and maybe kind of uh, bringing in a veteran quarterback who, again, knows how to get wide receivers the football. Maybe this is like a big blossoming for Tobias Meriwether. Maybe he does become that guy. I predicted when when we were doing, who's going to be the receptions leaders? And again, this is, receptions not necessarily yards like I could see Merriweather easily being the yardage leader but I think that you know maybe maybe Lorenzo Styles goes into this offseason gets a reset and kind of figures things out because it 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 all seemed like it was about the gray matter the stuff between his ears with the drops and the the inconsistencies they seem more self-inflicted but at the same time When the ball wasn't always coming his way with a quarterback who was locked in on number 87 all the time, you know maybe that kind of affects you as well because you know you're like you're not used to the ball being there, and then all of a sudden it's like whoa, you're throwing me a pass now. That kind of thing, you know. I don't know how much of it was actually that, but but again, like this is a really talented guy. We got to see that in the Fiesta Bowl. So I'm 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 pushing. I'm hedging at least a little bit toward Lorenzo styles, but I I don't think you can go wrong with Tobias Merriweather and a talent like that. When you've got a, a a very experienced quarterback coming in, I I think he's going to be able to recognize that talent pretty, pretty early.
2: Yeah. So for me, this comes down to three people. I have kind of the front runners and I think that's going to be Tobias Merriweather. Um, And I, how is it? It's Caleb Smith, right? The transfer from. Yes. Yes. I think Caleb Smith is also going to be up there just because of his experience think that's going to help someone like sam hartman because he's going to trust him and knowing that if the play breaks down or the coverage breaks down he has that experience of knowing how to get open right how to move with the quarterback um a little bit so i think that he's up there and i think my wild court or my or wild court wild card or dark horse is going to be jaden thomas i think that he had a really solid freshman year production-wise this last year i mean he had 25 receptions 360 yards and three touchdowns and You know, those aren't like eye popping numbers, but he made a lot of just good, solid catches. He's got a big frame. He's got good height. And I think that's someone that Hartman would really like to, you know, kind of zone in on on those big kind of crucial downs because size Tobias Merriweather just doesn't have the size. He has the length, but he doesn't have the size. And and when you're boxing out corners on third and short, kind of those kind of plays, or you're working over the middle a little bit. You know, he's big body. He's going to catch those kind of passes. And do a lot of damage. So I think Jaden Thomas is going to have a really good year, actually.
1: That was Vince's pick. And I, I mean, I I still think he's going to be in the mix. I definitely think, you know, and like I saw Jason mention Colsey as well. Colsey's going to be in the middle. I think it's going to be, we're, we're going to see a lot more promise from this. It's going to be a really loaded room.
2: wide receiver room next yeah. year. And I, I think a lot the stands of talent. Be there. Like
1: the growth in the receiver room, it might not have. Quite the kind of overall growth that we saw from the running backs this year, but I think it's got the potential to, to make a pretty good leap in that direction with some of the things we see. And like you mentioned, Thomas, like no, you know, nobody throws over the middle anymore. Well, you know, and, and most of the guys you're throwing over the middle to are either tight ends, you know, it's like that kind of thing, but wide receivers, you don't see it much anymore. But with a guy like Thomas, who's who's best out of the slot with what you were talking about the kind of size that he has like you can see that and then you're gonna play man on him and you're you you know you're gonna you're gonna get him the ball you can see him making some big plays running away from some guys going over the middle potential
2: yeah I like what you said I think that Merriweather will probably be kind of the yardage guy big play home run guy but I think people like Smith and Jaden Thomas are going to be your reception kind of guys you know that maybe have you know two times the amount of receptions but half the yards because you know they're just they're just hitting those kind of layup plays rather than the big home run plays and i think that's more of what merriweather is, is the home run guy